AJ, what do we uh, what do we got here? What are we listening to? Steely Dan, Hey Nineteen. Why you a big Steely Dan fan? No, but I remember, I remember when it was popular, though. Yeah, uh, I do remember that, and it's been several years ago. But well, welcome back to Wildcat Insider, Mitch Fortner with the voice of the Kansas City Wildcats. Why Thompson, AJ Shaw, running their board? If you want to give us a call, he'd be the one to pick it up. Five three seven thirteen fifty, the number to call as we uh, react to K State's loss to Mizzou, thirty to twenty seven. And I guess you know, looking forward here, we'll, we'll of course look at. UCF, second meeting all-time between the Cats and Knights, as they'll be visiting Bill Snyder Family Stadium this Saturday for a 7 o'clock kickoff power kick game. It will start 3 in the afternoon. Myself along with uh, Cole Manbeck and Derek Young. You ever been to Orlando, Florida? You know, I have not. I'm kind of looking forward to changing that here soon. I don't really know when, <laughs> but uh, it, it's going to happen sooner or later, I guess. I've, I've been to Florida a couple of different times, mm-hmm. but never to Orlando. I enjoyed Jacksonville a lot. thought Miami was okay, uh, but no Orlando yet. Did you uh, – because I, I know the team you know, gets there typically the day before. Sure. And then, you know, like when you called that game in 11 against Miami, that was I think that was an 11 a.m. kickoff. So probably not a whole lot of time to go check out the sites. No, but we actually, on uh, Friday night, went out to a really, really nice place to eat. Okay. Uh, people were pretty friendly. I remember it being pretty warm, pretty humid. But the one thing that really stuck in my mind more than anything else is I'm a, I'm a coffee guy in the morning and needed a little more coffee on the way to the stadium. So we stopped at McDonald's to get a coffee. And some of their fans weren't necessarily the greatest. They <laughs> said something to the effect of, what, are you here with a volleyball team or something? I've always said I would love to have talked to them after the game. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I mean, That was uh, what I now call the Colin Klein come out of the whatever, the mm-hmm. closet game. Oh, yeah. You know, that's that's the wrong way to say it these days. I, I get it. But that was his explosion onto the scene. Well, it right? sure was. I mean, it just I mean, was. I mean, I, I love that game, man. I mean, that I know they didn't beat the best Miami team, but you beat a pretty big brand sure. in college football. And that felt like, because I remember that game was like on ESPNU, and it was at the time, it was hard to get ESPNU. So I think I was listening to your call and, you know, the goal line stand, of course, yes. was incredible. And, heck, I thought K-State was about to do that against Mizzou when they had a first and goal or something like that at the two. And they get three stops. And then for the first time all season, mm-hmm. Missouri fans have been begging for Drinkwitz to be more aggressive. And for the first time that year, this year, they attempted a four, uh, fourth down conversion and got it on a Brady Cook running where we were a little bit too overcommitted on Luther Burden that time. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> probably right. It, it was um, back to that game with Colin. Yeah. I, I remember that so vividly with the, with the goal line stand, but also have to say it was like watching Rocky get down, get back up, get knocked down, get back up. He, he was a prize fighter, for, for lack of a better uh, term, that, that day. They knocked him all over that place, man, and he was to not be denied. That was a really, really nice win, and that led to a pretty good season and then a great season in 2012. You know, I wish I would have brought my numbers in because, um, and I was paying attention to it during the games, I knew Will just needed two, and he got three in the game, three passing touchdowns. He passed Colin Klein yeah, that's right. for most touchdown passes in a, uh, in a career, which I believe now Will Howard has 32 think that is right. I'll double check that. Okay. But I think that is correct. 
But I know he passed Collin on the second one. And that would have been the first touchdown to Ben Sennett. Okay. Now I'm going to take your word for it because I think that is right. But I'll look here very quickly on on that. I did not bring my uh, my preseason media guide in with me. I could have given, given you the numbers. So that's a number I've been watching closely this year. I'm like 32, 32 touchdowns. There you passes. go. Eight this year. Eight. That's pretty good, too. I mean, I and I said in the preseason, I was like, you know, with Will Howard at QB, I mean, you're going to have more of a passing attack, I think, with his arm talent. Because K-State, gosh, in the past seven years, or really the past decade, K-State's either been dead last or second to last in passing offense <laughs> in the Big 12. And now, K-State is, uh, I think they're fifth right now in passing offense in the Big 12 out of 14 teams. That sounds about right. They've They've taken a pretty good leap there. And it's all, I guess, we'll just jump into this briefly here, but you know, I was looking at some numbers from last year uh, in the championship year. K-State averaged about 210 rushing yards a game last year. Right now, they're about 170 yards a game. But they're getting more pass yards now than they mm-hmm. got really by quite a bit compared to last season. Well, and could, I mean, you lose the burst of well, Deuce Vaughn. And, well, and people are playing them differently now yeah. because there is not Deuce Vaughn, what, among other things. What have you thought of Sean Ward so far? You know, I think he's another guy that's starting to, to settle in. Yeah. I, you know, um, it's always hard to, to transfer to someplace new. I really found him to be very interesting young man to talk to when I did the Walking with Wyatt piece with him. He, he really is a very interesting young man and has a cool story I think stories I guess I'll say but I I don't know that we've seen his best yet I think there's more there uh, in that gas tank if you will Uh, but there were a couple of times on Saturday there was one play where they kind of snuck him out in the backfield to the left to the near side where I was and, and he he took it down probably inside the 10 if you remember that play uh, if I remember it correctly, that was that was a pretty good effort. I, he he can catch the ball. Um, I, I think he runs it decently well. But again, you know, new situation. I think we'll see his production go up as we go. Hundred fifteen. So anyway. Yeah, hundred fifteen all-purpose yards uh, Saturday for Treshawn Ward. Led the team in rushing with fifty-four. Yep. Five point four yards per carry. Great clip. Yeah. Against a run defense like Missouri. Yeah. You take that because we mentioned earlier in the show, K State. Rush for 138 yards, but just 3.9 per carry. So 5.4 is pretty legitimate for for that, for him that particular day. And Treshawn Ward was K-State's second leading receiver at uh, at 61 yards on five receptions. You know somebody we I don't think we've really talked about yet, Avery Johnson. Yeah, getting the opportunity to run a little bit of the offense. It was either handing it off or running the ball himself. We did not see him throw the ball, but I think that's also like. That's going to be a development in, in the package they have for him. That he handled this part of it, of just running the football or handing it off, making some nice cuts, picking up some ground game. Uh, and Avery finishes the third-leading rusher, four carries, 24 yards, six yards a carry. Mm-hmm. He did that pretty well. We'll probably see that, I think, grow a little bit more now that Will is a little bit banged up. Still going to play, of course, but Will's banged up. Like Him being mobile and running the football, maybe not going to see much of that on Saturday. So it's going to be maybe more Avery Johnson throwing him out there more and trying to pick up some yardage. Well, and I've been asked a little bit about why didn't they allow Avery to throw the ball. I don't know that it was necessarily that, but I think the plan was to bring him in to be that run threat, and Mm -hmm. certainly 
he was, even though Will would go wide out, you know, as a receive, stay in the game as a receiver. Um, and it was interesting to me that he stayed in the game even when he was limping in the second half. That was in, a bit in those weird. scenarios. I thought that was. I'm sure Coach will be asked about that tomorrow, and I'm sure he has an explanation for it. I didn't get a chance to, you know, go when you do the TV show, it goes so fast. You know, you've got like five and a half minutes for first and second half, and it didn't even dawn on me to ask him about that, but maybe I should have. Well, let's get to, uh, I guess, some good news, some bad news about the depth chart that came out today. Good news is Christian Duffy's back in the lineup. He's not listed as a starter at right tackle. It's still Carver Willis, who I thought was better against Missouri. He was mm-hmm. he was definitely better. Uh, but Carver Willis, uh, or rather Christian Duffy, who had, I, I can't remember how many consecutive starts he had, but it was quite a few, 30-something. I think 35. Yeah, 35, and he hasn't played mm-hmm. all year. That was a real, you know, we've seen, you know, the offensive line is probably going to be better if he plays, right? If he's healthy and plays. It's good to see him back in the lineup, but not as starter, so it may be kind of a, you know, a, you know, a pitch count, something like that for... Yeah. But at least they have him to rotate in. And maybe it's less moving Cooper Beebe out to right tackle. Well, that's right. And, and I think those guys, when, when you look at that group and you, and you basically go Leviston, Beebe, Gillum, Panzer, and then to the right side where Duff is at, think about how many snaps those guys played together last year. You know, And then now you're, you haven't had that through three games this year. Hopefully you get him back and he can stay healthy. Uh, and then, and then, hopefully, that run game does get a little bit more consistent, and there's more consistency throughout the entire offense because of that. And then uh, we we got some bad news uh, about K State's depth chart, and this will definitely. I mean, this I'd be shocked if Coach didn't even bring it up in his you know his opening statement, and that's about Daniel Green, mm-hmm. K State's middle linebacker. He is the quarterback of the defense. He was not listed on the depth chart. He hurt his shoulder, his right shoulder. The second play of the second half, so it was the play after he got the TFL, great play, and then back-to-back plays, then blasts through the line and gets a sack. I mean, it couldn't have been a better start for Daniel Green. And, of course, in that game, he hurts his shoulder, and he, went in, he goes into the injury tent, and he's in there for a while. He comes back out, and he returns to the game, but you could tell, and I could see it from all the way up, you're on the same floor as I was up at the top of the press box mm-hmm. that he was that right arm was hanging. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was. wasn't looking good. Yeah, and and there's been a lot of, you know, speculation and and what have you and I don't think you know that it's necessarily good news. That's that's the obvious here. And it is a major blow, but it is on a lot of different fronts and let me explain that. One, as you said, and accurately so, kind of the quarterback of the defense. This is a guy that came back for a sixth year. Everybody was excited about it um, and, and should have been. Um, if it is long-term, you know, right now it's problematic times two, if not more than that. And what I mean by that is this. Keep in mind, Jake Clifton was injured in week one and has been mm-hmm. unavailable the last couple of games, and he's really been – one of their most amazing pieces defensively because he's basically the number two guy at three linebacker spots. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. but it is so. Um, and I don't think – I could be wrong. I I would be under the impression that he might not go this week. Hopefully it's not much longer after that. I'd love it if he could go this time, no doubt. But 
Austin Romaine is listed as as linebacker there. Keep in mind they have Terry Kirksey who's worked in there and and Bo Palmer. So, but it, it, you just lose such a valuable piece. Even if it's a couple of two or three games, and again, there's fear, you know, I think it's longer term even than that. So, yeah, it's, it's a, that's a <laughs> that's a real, real blow for the defense. It, it, I mean, it's already been reported. I think I think I saw it first from Kellis Robinette that this could be, and I and I hate to say it, and I, I honestly, I'm trying not to get emotional about it. It could be a season ender for Daniel Green. That's just the there's, rumor right now. There's been speculation of that, and, and I, I don't have any inside information. I have not talked to Coach Kleiman since after the game when we got back and did television. At that particular point, they were waiting to do some more testing and, and were hopeful to find out that night. I, I, I'm sure that he will address it at his press conference at 1230 mm-hmm. tomorrow, but it, if I'm being honest, it doesn't look good. Um, obviously, for the short term or medium term but if it is long term that is uh, such a harsh harsh blow honestly what the heck go ahead <laughs> well it's just a harsh harsh blow because yeah. of the obvious stuff and and you know the guy there haven't been a lot of guys around k-state football make 250 career tackles <laughs> he's yeah, in the I, neighborhood yeah. I mean, he he's is. at 230 something he, he, he's 232 yeah he's a good player man double check good player I was looking at that earlier, but yeah, I mean, he's been one of my favorite players for a while oh, now. I well, mean, ever since he stepped into the lineup a couple of years ago, yeah, loved the play of Daniel. And Green. he's been here a while, you know. Daniel is still not the world's biggest talker. <laughs> if you get him cornered and get to talking to him, he's fun to talk to, and he's a good guy. But he's not one of those guys that, by nature, just you know comes in and you know. Like a Dalton Reisner, who, by the way, signed with Minnesota today. Dalton would – I mean, he'd love to come into the media room and talk, right? Yeah. I mean, some guys have that in them. Some guys are a little more on the quiet side. The quiet side would be more Daniel Speed. <laughs> but doesn't mask his ability to play the game, and he's really grown since he's been here. Well, I remember when Eli Huggins announced he was coming back, I kind of like to myself, just like Ooh. threw a fist in the air, yeah, like really excited. Daniel Green was the same one. I was like, when I found, because I was standing right next to him, we was, and Arnie Green asked the question. It's like, so your your K State career is done? He's like, yeah. And I was wow. like, he's like, it's time to move on. And then it was what a month later, he, he's coming back. I was like, oh my god, yeah, are you for real? Think, yeah, <laughs> like that's pretty big. I, good to hear about Jake Clifton. If he's getting close to coming back, maybe not this week, but soon. You know, maybe after the bye week. I mean, I think that's. Gigantic. I think he could be a really strong piece, just like mostly everybody thinks of Jay Clifton, that he could be truly special. I mean, he was playing some pretty significant snaps, Big 12 championship game, and oh, making sure. some big plays. Yeah. I mean, that's that's sign number one. You know, that's a great example of how good he can be. Oscar O'Main is one of the popular guys from this last year's recruiting class. This is going to be a huge opportunity for him. Well, and then again, just just to be repetitive here, it hurts with Daniel because, again, quarterback of that defense, but it's more than that in that the guy, let's let's be honest, if he's not a first-team All-Big 12 guy, he's probably a second-team All-Big 12 kind of talent. Mm -hmm. Hard to lose those kind of guys. Yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. It isn't as bad as we fear. But, you know, at the same time, though, what a hell of a career. That if, even if it does end in Columbia, Missouri, hell of a career for Daniel Green. It'll, it'll always, of course, be remembered, at least for me. I can speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for anybody else. 
But at the same time, there's some young guys that, you know, a part of the last couple of big time recruiting classes that hopefully can step in and perform well. You know, I felt very good about the depth at, at linebacker for K State, and it's pretty young depth. Yeah. I mean, my new hashtag, my boy, it used to be Deuce Vaughn. My new hashtag, my boy, is Asa Newsom. And I think Ace, in, the, in the, his very limited time of playing for K-State, getting opportunities to get that linebacker on special teams has been pretty good. Oh, yeah. And it's not been splashy or like truly noticeable, like, oh, my God, this kid is going to be sick. He's not there yet. But that's – I think you can speak for a lot of guys. But Austin Romain at least has played some meaningful snaps and has made some plays. Yeah, and I'm like you. It's hard not to like Asa because of his frame, because of his smarts. I mean, he's, he's fit in very, very quickly. Um, he's going to be a good player here. He just needs opportunity um, and some experience. Romaine probably the same way. Um, Austin's a big guy. I mean, he comes in here, walked in the door at like 235, right? I mean, that's that's yeah. that's pretty good for uh, for a true freshman. Yeah, I mean, six that, two two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's that's pretty uh, that's pretty good. I've seen a lot of linebackers come in here that started out at 205 and worked their way to 225 or so, but you know, walking in the door at two thirty or two thirty-five is different animal. Let's let's cut to the chase and call it like like it is here, right? That's different. It's of co- good. It's good. Different. Yeah. Of course, on tomorrow's show, um, you know, I'm sure we'll lead off with that news on Daniel Green. We have Coach Kleiman's press conference tomorrow uh, at twelve thirty. The reaction and clips of that press conference, of course, will be on tomorrow's show. But when we come back on Wildcat Insider, we take a look at next or the I should say this Saturday's opponent. For K-State, the 3-0 Knights of UCF will preview the Knights when we come back. What am I listening to? I'm shazamming it right now. (laughs) It's like, what is this? Like, this feels like future music, like from 2040. This isn't good. If this is Troy, shame on him. Shame on him. All right. All right, I don't want to listen to it anymore. Hey, the UCF Knights coming to town on uh, on Saturday, making their second trip to Manhattan, second game ever between these two teams. And, uh, well, the Knights so far start out well. They are 3-0. Uh, you know, not the most impressive competition. Villanova's not good. Uh, at least don't seem to be that good. Kent State, not good. Uh, but they happen to be 3-0. and And what has stood out about their off- – well, it's been the offense. The tops in rushing and passing – in the Big 12, but we got to start at quarterback because John Rice Plumley, who I said in the preseason could be the Big 12's best dual threat quarterback, uh, is going to be out for several weeks, is not uh, slated to play against K State uh, on Saturday. But uh, old Timmy McLean, uh, transfer from USF, has set, stepped in and did very well against Villanova. He did. Very good athlete, uh, long, athletic, left handed, uh, can run, can throw. Uh, really pretty darn good number two guy. I don't think John Rice Plumley will play Saturday. They initially said, and he was hurt in the game late on the game-winning uh, field goal drive at Boise, a game they won 18-16, that it would be multiple weeks. Okay, well, what does that mean exactly? More For me, all it means is more than one, right? Mm-hmm. It, it could mean two, it could mean six, it could mean eight, who knows. But they said it was not season-ending, so at some point he'll be back. And you're right, he is a legitimate dual-threat guy. Um, and I think 
you got to get that part out of your head and and prepare for Timmy McLean, and I think that's what the Cats will do because he is athletic. He has good running backs behind him. He's got good receivers, a couple of tight ends that are legit. The question for me on this team, because I, I what I see is those guys that, that handle the ball are, are pretty athletic. They're, they're, they're good. What are they at the line of scrimmage? I don't know that I have necessarily a great feel for that just yet. I've watched their games, um, not as closely as I will this week, but I have watched some of them. They seem to be pretty good. Uh, they got a difference-making defensive end. Uh, if you're going to the game, he wears number 88. His, his name is Josh Seliskar, good player. But again, this is about what are they at the line of scrimmage. Um, most people talked about coming into the Big 12 of the new four. This group might be the most Big 12-ready talent-wise. I think that probably still holds true at least for now. We'll see as they start to get into this. Remember, there's just been one league game played so far, and that was TCU winning at Houston. So I think this is a good team. It it should be a team that you should be concerned about because of their athleticism and their talent. Defensively, I mean, Trayvon Morris Brash is the one that stands out to me. I, I thought he could maybe be like an all-Big 12 type of guy at the, when the year's said and done. He has a couple of sacks on the year. Nine solo tackles, he's a defensive end. Uh, I, I would say, you know, UCF's pass rush against the current competition like they've already played in their non-con, I thought it would have been more Havoc type of plays. Like, they would have disrupted more than they have this season Four sacks is a, is a pretty decent start, but I thought that would have been a bigger number so far Yeah, with their talent. Yeah, I, I think that might be a fair statement. And again, wh- what is Boise? That, uh, Boise is, is, uh, has been traditionally good. Uh, I don't think that they're what they were, say, you know, three, four, five, six years ago. But they did win a close game there, and they just totally torched Villanova and Kent. The, n- not close. It was 56-6 against Kent State in Week 1 and 48-14 against Villanova at what they call the bounce house there mm-hmm. in Orlando. Uh, that's not the real name of the place, but they, their students jump up and down, and, and actually the, play, you know, the stands bounce. I mean, they move. <laughs> it holds roughly 44,000, 45,000, and they get into it. I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting when, uh, when the day comes that you go down there. But fortunately, you've got them at home. Thank goodness. Well, and it's the team offense that is, has been a pretty big deal so far because so – just to kind of give you where they're at right now, Oklahoma, who has played a whole group of five non-con, which, by the way, shout out to Oklahoma. They're looking way better right now. Uh, averaging 534 yards of offense, UCF is averaging 617. And it's it's pretty even. I mean, shocking enough, UCF is averaging 300 yards on the ground. Yeah. Okay, that's a huge number, and it's 358. Or uh, check that. Uh, it's 318. Throwing. That's not the biggest number, but it's third biggest. So, so far this year, nobody has been able to slow them down. And really, other, well, I should say nobody. I mean, Boise State made them settle for, for field goals. They still moved the football, did UCF, but they had to settle for a lot of field, goal, field yeah, goals. Here, here's the legitimate deal at Boise, okay? If you watch the game, and I did, really the truth is UCF pretty much had everything they wanted. But once they got into the red zone, they either settled for field goals or turned the ball over. They were quite a bit better than Boise. And as I said, in the other two games, they were just totally dominant. 
So it is a dangerous offensive team. Um, again, whether it's John Rice Plumley or whether it, it's Timmy McLean, both of those guys are run threats. They b- both can throw. Now, again, Rice Plumley's probably you know quite a bit better than McLean at, the, at this particular point. McLean is a redshirt sophomore and a transfer from USF. A couple of years ago, he started nine games, played in the eleven. Last year, played only three. Out. That's mm-hmm. a lot. That's what a lot of these guys do now. They they go somewhere else. But I really like the two running backs that they use for the most part, most of the time. They'll, we'll see Jordan McDonald some, Demarcus Bowman some, but the two main guys, R.J. Harvey and Johnny Richardson. Listen to this. You want to talk about legit and balance? 39 rushes, five catches for Harvey, 33 rushes, five catches for Richardson. And they're pretty much 50-50 in snaps. And I think I've seen as well a little bit, at least in the Villanova game I did, when they get close to the goal line, they run a lot of wildcats. They do, with McDonald. Yeah, you'll want to watch that. Uh, Jordan McDonald is a running back, but they use him a lot in the wildcat. He's run the ball 18 times. I haven't seen him throw it out of the wildcat yet. So (laughs) But he will come in and run it. And they they have some depth at receiver. Their main three guys, Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, Xavier Townsend, I think you'll appreciate what you see in those guys. They move around. They're they're athletic. Seem to be pretty quality players. Well, and you know, Kobe Hudson, who's a he's a transfer from Auburn. He's yeah. extremely athletic, and I've seen yep. some of his highlights. He's a definitely a yards after catch. Oh yeah, big play type of guy. He had a sixty yard play earlier this year. Uh, he's averaging twenty two yards a reception. That's which legit. is a scary number. <laughs> it, it really yeah, is, yeah. especially after K-State struggled to stop Luther Burden. So that's a big standout to me. Like, I don't know. Like, I haven't watched enough UCF football to tell you defensively how deep they are. But, I mean, statistically, they haven't seemed too bad. But, again, I mean, they, they're, they're, they've shut down two teams so far. I mean, really three teams. Kept it low scoring. But, again, I just – I'm trying to calibrate, like, okay, considering the level of competition, you know, the yeah. teams they beat to get there. I mean, it's nothing close to what K-State has played in the non-con, I would say. Yeah, I think you go back to what we were saying before, that what are they at the line of scrimmage both sides of the ball? If they are competitive, and I would assume that that would be the case, um, not dominant but but highly competitive – now you probably got your, you know, got yourselves a game, <laughs> right? I mean, that, that would be the way most of us, I think, would probably look at it. It is a team that loves to play fast. Um, not sure what everybody out there listening would think of Gus Malzahn as a coach, but he's known as an <laughs> offensive guy. But he's given up the play calling. Yeah. He is an offensive coordinator now. Uh, most people feel that's been a good change for them. I will say this about their defense. They play fast, and they run to the ball, and they will hit you. I don't know how technically sound they are yet. A little more study work from that perspective uh, this week to to get ready. But I think they're a pretty athletic club, and they do play hard. And I think one way, if I could say that UCF upgraded at quarterback with Timmy McClain is John Rice Plumley wasn't exactly making the best decisions sometimes, like, you know, maybe forcing a little bit too much, or you know, he had four interceptions after two games. Sure, I mean that's that's a pretty ugly number. Uh, and then he got hurt in that last drive. You know, Timmy McLean was better with in, against Villanova of doing the right thing, of throwing the ball where it needs to go. I didn't see 
too many throws that were, you know, I would say, you know, that's a bad idea, a bad throw. And, and again, it was Villanova. But he has been forced into too many decision-making spots. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Where the rush is right up in his face and K-State's going to bring it, I'm sure, and try to get him as uncomfortable as possible. I mean, the name of the game with this offense and trying to slow them down is have them make a bad decision. Try to get him to turn over the football and make and you know have Casey's offense make him pay for it. Mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day, that's what they want to do. Well, what we know about K State defensively so far is they've been good against the rush. Mm-hmm. You hope that that is the case this week because if you can somewhat neutralize, I'm not going to say stop, but neutralize the run game, then it becomes a little bit tougher for them to throw. That wasn't necessarily the case last week in in Columbia. And so maybe you worry about that a little more than you would have, you know, a week ago. We'll see how that plays out. Well, I mean, and Mevis uh, from Missouri, I mean, he went into that game on Saturday. He had missed a couple of kicks. Yeah. And some people are thinking, boy, did his accuracy go out the window now? Is he not as good? Colton Boomer is a key player for UCF because he was four for four against Boise State. He's a perfect six of six on field goals. He's made two. 50-plus yarders. Yeah, he, he's really talented. You know, I'll remind everybody that there's there's a little story there with Mevis. Mevis was an All-American in 2021, okay? Little bit off the mark last year. The issues for him this year in the kicking have not necessarily been on his shoulders. Mm. It's more about a couple of snaps and maybe a hold or two. He's got a pretty good leg. He may not hit that Mitch Fortner 300-yard drive really, really high right down the middle. Right? True. He's more of a long yeah. line drive guy. Probably wishes, wishes he was me, but go but, ahead. But he, yeah. he can rip it straight ahead lower, but he's got a big leg. Big. Got a big body. He's a big but, dude. Yeah, he big is. Big kicker. Probably 260 pounds. Yeah, not exactly or, Blake Lynch. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's not Blake Lynch. <laughs> but who is, for that matter, I suppose. Blake yeah. was, had a pretty powerful leg for as little as he was. I don't know who would be second on that list of smallest K-State kickers. Matthew McCrane would be up there. Matthew wasn't a real big guy either. No, and then Martin Gramatica would be in that area as yep, well. Yep. Yeah, Martin probably a little, little more meat than those two guys, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah. At least a little bit? I'm trying to remember because I remember talking to Matthew McCrane at like a media day, and I was like... He's just You're damn. as tall as I am. <laughs> but he could bomb the ball. I mean, he, he really had and, and probably more accuracy than bombing, right? I mean, he, he, he could kick it pretty deep. Uh, but but uh, that's what I loved about him as much as anything was just the accuracy. I don't like this. Colton Boomer looks too much like Ty Zittner. I don't like that. That's, well, he, that's not a good sign for K-State. He's K-State. looked really good so far. He's, he's pretty young. He's just a sophomore. But um, he's become kind of a – would you say a cold hero there? Kinda. They're pretty happy with him now. He's got an appropriate last name too, Boomer. Yeah. He's got a booming leg. Yeah, he does. I don't know what he did. He's just a sophomore as well. Five ten sophomore. Yeah. I don't know what he did last year, but I'm sure he was good. I think he's actually been really solid. Fourteen for fifteen last year. The only one he missed was a fifty plus yarder. Now he's corrected that. There you go. And he made a fifty five yarder against UCF. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, uh we will look at this weekend. In the Big 12. It's really across college football. It's a better slate, but now we're actually in full blown Big 12 play. That's coming up next. AJ, are these your songs? Are you playing off Troy's playlist? Or this has been the weirdest show for bed music. You know, we have a little random streak in ourselves here, Mitch. I guess. 
Welcome back to Wildcat Insider. Mitch Fortner, the voice of the Cats, Wyatt Thompson, A.J. Shaw's across the uh, glass running our board today. Before we get to the Big 12, I want to uh, just, you know, I've done a poor job of actually looking into this kid uh, ever since he announced that he's coming to K-State. But over to K-State basketball, Will McNair takes up the last scholarship spot. Uh, transferred from Mississippi State, played three years as well at New Mexico State, uh, and uh, has a year of eligibility remaining last year for the Bulldogs. Three points, three rebounds, 45% from the field. Um, and like I said, I haven't looked too much into him, so I'm not exactly sure. And I, I wouldn't expect him for him to maybe have the biggest role, uh, but more depth. I mean, that's the story of K-State yeah. basketball. It's more depth. Yeah, and at that particular position, the five spot, I think they wanted that, uh, needed that, hoped for that, oh, whatever you want to say there. Uh, and I think he will uh, be able to fill that kind of a role. What would he average minute-wise? Uh, I'd hate to guess at this point w- without really seeing him and kind of getting into it uh, a little bit here. But you would – let's just assume for a second, you know, that maybe he could be that, you know, backup guy uh, that could give you 8, 10, 12 minutes a game. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. Well, and because he's six eleven, that does make him the tallest player mm-hmm. on the team. Uh, unfortunately for Naquan Tomlin – uh, Jarrell Colbert, they're 6'10". <laughs> and then uh, who would come in? Oh, uh, oh gosh, David Gasson, he's 6'9". Yeah. So, but, and of course, depending on the lineup, I mean, you probably, you have basically four guys that will play, that can play the five now. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. I think they, they wanted this particular piece uh, just to kind of balance out everything there because you do have some versatility in positions with David Gasson, with Naquan Tomlin, maybe a little less with, with say, uh, a Jarrell Colbert or, or this young man. I mean, versatility is a good thing, uh, but, but not everybody has it, right? I mean, you could see Naquan playing a couple of different positions. Um, and, you know, there were some guards that, that could play the one and the two, and you've got a, a couple of guys that can maybe be a, a two-three combo guy. So there's your roster. You have it now. Yeah. It's it's all laid out. The 13 scholarship players, the walk-ons have been added to the roster. I'm not going to go down the whole thing. KStateSports.com has got it all for you. Got the Even got height, weight, towns, everything for you. Um, they're, they're class. What class they're in? Freshmen, sophomores, whatever. <laughs> Fifth year, sixth year. Well, they don't have any six years, but there's your roster. I don't think they have six years, do they? No, there's no there's nobody that's technically a sixth year. So, uh KCSports.com. Hey, if you don't like it, go eat somewhere else. That's what I got to say. That's what my mom would say. If you don't like it, go eat somewhere else. Uh, all right. Let's get back to uh, to football. Big 12 play uh, really kicks off this weekend. And Oklahoma, Cincinnati, uh, whatever. Um, TCU playing at S- or hosting SMU non-con game. First real true game that feels pretty interesting. I, I, I do not know how this is going to go. It's in Lawrence. KU's a nine-and-a-half point favorite, but they're hosting BYU Three and O versus three and O. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, I never would have guessed this would be a, a, a pretty big marquee type of matchup in the Big Twelve. But honestly, it is, and I don't know which way it's going to go. I think nine and a half for KU is a bit high. Well, it might be. Uh, again, let's remind everybody that uh, BYU is coming off uh, a road victory at Arkansas last yeah. week, and in pretty impressive performance, really. Um, I do think that they can go there and have some success. Are they good enough to win? Well, that is the real question. But I think they've surprised everybody with their 3-0 and start, wouldn't you say? Yes. I don't think there's really much question 
about that and all. I think they're a physical team. Um, I, I wonder, will they struggle with KU's athleticism in a couple of areas with, with Jalen Daniels and, and Devin Neal and those types of guys? That KU offensively is pretty good. They, they uh, Defensively, their numbers are better. It looks like they're better than they were a year ago. But, uh, man, when, you have, when you've got 90% of your offense back from last year and that kind of leader in Jalen Daniels, you get pretty, uh, you get pretty successful. So okay, so you have, and there's two other games in the two thirty slash three o'clock window that are like, all right, you got one game. There's like two teams looking to prove something, and then you have another game at three o'clock with two teams that are like, all right, we probably really suck. <laughs> uh, this is going to be maybe the two worst teams in the Big Twelve this year. We can start with um, the game that two teams looking to prove something. Texas Tech and West Virginia, because Tech is one and two. They took care of Tarleton State, and then West Virginia maybe came out of non-con better than expected, but they're without now their starting quarterback Garrett Green. I don't know how long he's going to be out if he's if it's anything truly significant. I haven't seen an update. Do we today. know that he will be out this week? Or? I'm honestly not sure. I've yeah. not seen an update yeah. at all on him. I I would think that there is a chance that he could go, but that's just me based on what I saw in watching the their game with Pitt. We'll see. I like this game, though, just the way it plays out. You've got a Tech team that expectations were really high, and yet they set it 1-2. and two. West Virginia, 2-1 and one in a year where most people say Neil Brown's got to win some football games to keep his job. This is a really, really big ball game for both. And then that 3 o'clock game that you're talking about, Oklahoma State and Iowa State, I, I don't know if <laughs> – Oklahoma State's 2-1. People forget that they're still two and one, as bad as it was last week. And they've they've tried to play three quarterbacks. It's been a little bit <laughs> weird. Um, how will they How will they fare in Ames? I just got a feeling this could be much like Iowa Iowa State. Could you see a seventeen to ten kind of game? The thing is, it could be so ugly. It's really entertaining. Maybe you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it could just be the ugliest football, but you're intrigued to see who comes out on top. Sure. Because these are two teams that are stinking it up right now. I mean, Iowa State just scored seven points at Ohio, and Oklahoma State gets its butt kicked in by a directional school out of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not good right now for those two. Well, again, nothing lasts forever, right? I mean, I'm sure Matt Campbell's like, "Well, we have all the gambling stuff. That's our excuse. What do you got, Gundy? You know? <laughs> well, I you lost go your there. team to the transfer portal. That's what happened. Well, I I just know this. Over the course of time, Oklahoma State has been pretty good about bouncing back and being relevant after a tough year. Last year was kind of hard for them because they were beat up in the offensive line. Their quarterback was hurt. They struggled in league play. They've struggled to this point. Their offensive line play has been better. But but you're again trying to juggle three quarterbacks, and they haven't had much of a run game, and normally they have that. So we'll see how they are. Iowa State has struggled offensively, but defensively they compete. This for for a two and one team at a one and two team, just call me crazy. Maybe I'm just a football junkie. I'd love to see this game. Yeah, I just would. I'd love to see it and how it plays out. By the way, update on Garrett Green. I I, I did a quick goog. Okay, uh, and found out Neil Brown had a press conference earlier today. Uh, I'm sure, real snooze fest. But he had something interesting to say. Garrett Green did not practice today. It's an ankle injury that he's dealing with. He, did, he was out of the game uh, first half against Pitt. 
Then the backup comes in and they win seventeen to six. Real barn burner, but uh, um, they're going to determine it later in the week. Yeah, that makes sense if he can play. And again, I think Nico Marchiol has the chance to to be okay. He doesn't have Green's experience, but I think I thought he did a pretty good job under duress the other night. You know, coming in in a, a really tight game. Now, again, the game was at home. They had a big crowd. They were. It was so pro WVU. That, that those are all helpful things. But that's what this is going to be too, right? I mean, at home, Milan Pushkar Stadium. I like the game. And then you have uh, Texas and Baylor uh, in Waco. Texas, a fifteen and a half point favorite. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, of course, I don't like Baylor's chances. I think Texas is by far the better team, but they also came out shaky against Wyoming. And Probably I know Wyoming more is, than that. Yeah, Wyoming is a tricky opponent. I mean, just ask Texas Tech. And but this game wasn't in, uh, I don't, I don't know wherever they're Cheyenne or whatever, wherever Wyoming University is. Laramie is it in Laramie? Oh yeah. Um, but um, been there many times. <laughs> but like, is Baylor good enough at home that if Texas doesn't come out strong that they could take advantage. I'm not sure. If I'd, they run the ball well, maybe. I would feel better about Baylor's chances if they had Blake Shapen, but I yeah. don't think he will be available this week, but probably next. Well, that's going to do it for Wildcat Insider. It's been a fun one, and I want to remind everybody, we have, of course, the game from 4-6 to six, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But K-State kickoff against UCF is at 7 o'clock this Saturday. It's a late game under the lights at the Bill. Power K game day will start at 3 in the afternoon. Wyatt, thanks again for coming in, partner. Enjoyed it, my friend. Appreciate it. And for A.J. Shaw across the glass for Wyatt Thompson, I'm Mitch Fortner. We're back 4-6 to tomorrow. Go Cats.